I am Tovacito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tovacito. So happy to be here with you today. So happy to have my amazing guest in the studio. Y'all are in for such a treat. I'm so excited to have Bridget here today. Bridget Barbier Mueller. That's a name, girl. That is a name. It is. It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a good, that's a good name. Bridget yeah. Barbier Mueller. You, you sound famous. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to start the episode by thanking Mike and Natalie McGuire for being the sponsors of today's show. Just so grateful for their continued support, generous donation, and all that they do to just be amazing people for me and for The Remedy. I love you all very much. And me. Oh, yeah. Kev, Kev, Kev really appreciates it. Really did. All the money goes to you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mike and Natalie. Yes, thank you, Mike and Natalie. Okay, so uh, for those of you who have no idea, and there's probably not many, um, who have no idea who Bridget Barbier Mueller is, she is a, I asked her just a minute ago, like, what do I call, like, what are you? <laughs> I mean, you're dear to me. So like, I know you're an influencer, you're a blogger, you're a fashion blogger, you have a very large following on Instagram and your website and all that stuff. But like, the funny thing is when I met you, I had no idea who you were. <laughs> like, and I remember when you told me what you did, it kind of just rolled. Yeah, like, you're like, question mark, question I mark, was like, I don't okay. get it. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, what? <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. A lot of blank stares, just like, hmm. So when somebody asks you what you do, and like, what do you say? How do you describe it? I, I, I generally start off saying I'm a blogger. Mm-hmm. I run a website. Um, I just talk about my life and my travels and beauty and anything that kind of fashion, of course, um, that comes across as interesting to me, I share online. And then do people look at you? I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, there's an age. age group. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the age of the person I'm talking to. Yes. I'm um, sure 20 something would be like, oh my gosh, what is it? Like, yeah. how, where do I find how you? Do I how find do I follow you? you? Yeah, exactly. And then somebody a li- quite a bit older would be like, huh? Yeah, the first question I get from someone older is like, "How do, how is that a job? Like, how do you make money? What?" Mm. And then I just God, I to, so know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's something that you can do. And I'm like, yeah, it's actually so interesting. Like, I love kind of the business behind it. So I always try and share that with people because it is really interesting. But um, that generally helps them understand a little bit more, and they learn something, which is cool. Um, and then young people typically get it. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, we know all about Like to Know It, and we know all about <laughs> bloggers and affiliate links and all that, so it's much easier. But And all of that to somebody like me, and I know Kevin. <laughs> like, I know a little bit of it, but I'm so fascinated. So I had a good friend. I was walking with a good friend recently, and she was like, you know who you need to have on your show? And uh, I told you, like, I don't, I don't, I know you don't think you're, fascinating or amazing or because nobody looks at themselves in the mirror Mm -hmm. and was like 
you're so fascinating. <laughs> you're so amazing. <laughs> but outsiders looking in look at you and think, God, like, because you're so young, you're so beautiful, you're so accomplished. And then, like, to boot, I know you. Mm-hmm. So you're like kind and <laughs> like, you know, influencers and bloggers, they have a persona, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I, it's not that you're trying to create a persona, it's just that's inevitably going to be what happens. Um, but so yeah. few people ever are really going to get to know you. And I like got to know you and your husband. I got yes. to do your premarital counseling. I, I didn't even know you were a big deal. I know. <laughs> no, you know, it's so funny is when we were getting married and the church requires the premarital counseling and we were traveling so much that we couldn't um, make it to the like pre-programmed every Sunday from 10 to 11 classes that they had on the schedule. So we were like, well, shoot, how are we going to get this premarital counseling like checked off the list? And one of my best girlfriends, my sister-in-law, Caitlin, was like, well, I think this woman named Tova Cito does this on the side. And she ran my side gig. (laughs) Well, they were like, you'll love her. She's awesome. She runs our Bible study, um, et cetera. So I was like, great. Okay, cool. So I I think I texted you and I was like, are you available? Like, this is very random. I didn't know that this was like a thing people did. Um, I swear I'm not crazy. And you responded. You're like, yeah, sure. What's up? Let's do it. And I was like, okay, this is easy. And you showed up and you were like as cute as can be. And And my husband and I were just like, what? (laughs) Like an hour flew by. We did it, I think, like six times during lunch. And an hour flew by each time. And we were like, this woman is so cool. We could just sit here and like talk to you for forever. Wow. Y'all were adorable. I mean. We had so much fun with you. I had so much fun We wanted to be your friend afterwards. (laughs) I'm so glad we've kept in touch. I know. I know. (laughs) But it was like, you know, at least for me, I grew up Catholic. And in the Catholic church, everyone's like old and boring and not interesting and well, not that's such a blanket statement, but you know, the priest no. is like 800 years old and here you come in and like your cute workout gear and you're like <laughs> young and full of life not and young, bubbly but, and just so but sweet. But trying to stay young. It was such a breath of fresh air. You want to know what's funny about that? Years ago, I was, um, somebody had read my book mm-hmm. and, and, but they didn't know me. And I was standing on the sidelines of a soccer field and uh, you know what? I hadn't even written my book. It was when I just did devotionals. Mm-hmm. At, like I'd written a couple of devotionals, yeah. and somebody had given another woman my devotionals as a gift. And <laughs> so I'm standing on the sidelines, and somebody said Tova, and and this other girl whips her head around, and she's like, "Wait, are you Tova?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "Tova Cito." I was like, "Yes." She's like. <laughs> Tovacito that writes devotional <laughs> books. I was like, yes. And she was like, there's no way. Like she was so like, you're an influencer and you didn't even know it, Tova. <laughs> no, but she, it's because she was like, I thought you'd have like a hippie skirt and like long hair. And I yeah. thought you were like 70. Mm-hmm. And she was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's funny what you create in totally. your mind, like stereotypes, right? Like oh, we, for sure. we all have them. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, I want to talk about you, mm-hmm. if that's okay. I want yeah. to, like, people are fascinated, <laughs> even though you think they shouldn't be. Um, and so I'd love to know, like, how you got into this. I just want to know the whole story. But let's start, let's back up and tell us about, because your family fascinates me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about you growing up. Yeah. Tell us about growing I'm up. I'm so lucky. I've got the you best are, family. Both you and your husband have yeah. exceptional. I, I mean, the, I the what jackpot. you both married into was 
exceptional. We're so lucky. Yeah, you both are very lucky. So, so tell us about you growing up. So I'm one of six. I'm number five in the lineup. Um, I have one older sister. Which I still, I remember you told me. I'm like, wait, six? I know, I know. It's so, I'm like, I don't know how my parents did it. They're saints. But they, um, they are just amazing. My mom was so involved. She was just like, she made home-cooked meals every night. And they took us to every soccer game and ballet practice. And my dad's wonderful. I, I sometimes feature my dad on my Instagram stories he's really he's so cute and so charming and sweet and like like your love for your dad dad. is adorable oh he's just like growing up he was so embarrassing because he would wear the big white sneakers and drive like the old school ugly brown vans (laughs) that fit like 12 children and I was always so embarrassed but now I'm like of course at the age where I just appreciate it so much and I just love that about him so so proud of him yeah but um and especially like I'm about to be a mom myself I'm like so just in awe of my parents and how they did it for six kids. Like, how does anyone do that? So, yeah. so um, for those of you who can't see Bridget right now, you are adorably pregnant. <laughs> You're 32 weeks, yes. right? Yes, I'm 32 weeks. And do you know what it is? A boy. Oh, yeah. We're excited. Having a boy first is the best. We're excited. So We're cute. So excited. You should be. You should be. Okay, so you grow up and tell mm-hmm. me about your family. So four, uh, you know, four brothers, one sister. Um, I kind of grew up in a family where, like, I never got to sit in the front seat. I never got to pick the TV show. You were I'm number like, five. I was just number five. I went with the flow. It was like what you have to do as, like, one of six. Like, so I'm very laid you back. You got the leftovers. Yeah. My personality is just, like, very, I'd say, like, laid back and go with the flow and um, just generally, like, happy-go-lucky, I guess. And... Um, the one thing that like I've consistently loved since I was a kid and I don't know where it came from. My mom always jokes. My mom wore like long jean skirts and like every single day and like a, a plain crew neck t-shirt. And she's like, I don't know where you got your fashion sense. It's not for me or your dad. And um, I don't know really where it was either. I think it was just like growing up in New Orleans. There was like not a huge sense of a fashion community. And I just would read these magazines and I would become like so just obsessed with like the editors and the models and the creative directors and the set designers. I was just, it wasn't just like the one photo. It was like everything that went into it and the clothes. And I just, it was like escaping into like this dream. And I, and I, I swear, I remember like being in science class and growing up starting in like seventh or eighth grade, we were allowed to have laptops in our classes. And like the teacher would be talking about like some chemistry project or something. And I would literally be on style.com, like looking at every single fashion show and image that went down the runway and like memorizing the models names and memorizing the collections. And it was just something I was so obsessed with for some reason. I would, I would create these little binders and they, I would cut out all the models and the pictures from the magazines. And I would create these little collages and put them in like clear plastic sheets and then create and have these binders. And I don't even know what I would do with them. I would just look through them, I okay, guess. That and- is so cute. <laughs> like what a, like, you know, what's so funny is everybody has like a natural, um, like a, we gravitate, mm-hmm. right? We gravitate towards yeah. things. And when, even when we're young, like people, and I've had so many people on this show who, who have that story mm-hmm. where like it started, whatever it was, it started when they were young. And yeah. I find that stuff so fascinating, Bridget, because I have, I mean, I grew up looking through fashion magazines and I never, ever, ever once thought about the set design and 
like I've I never dissected mm -hmm. or I even thought about what went into that. Yeah. And and the fact that you saw so much more than the picture yeah. just speaks to to your natural God given yeah. gift. Yeah. I mean really. I just I just was I loved every portion of it, like every mm -hmm. aspect. So when I decided I wanted to go to New York for college, I I, I really wanted to go there because I was going to get an internship and I was going to figure out how I could be a part of, you know, the fashion industry. Mm. And I knew I didn't want to be a designer. I was, I didn't have like that gift of designing necessarily, but I wanted to be like around the clothes and the models and the, the creatives making these beautiful editorial spreads. So mm. how would I do that? Would I be in PR? Would I be, you know, in a fashion closet at a magazine? Would I be an editor? Like, how a stylist maybe, um, I, I didn't really know. So I wanted to go up to New York while I was in school and intern. So that was my goal. So you knew you wanted to go to New York because that's where the action oh, was. Oh, for sure. That was where it was happening. And okay. I didn't know a single soul in New York. Where'd you go? Where I did went you go to, to Marymount, Manhattan, which is a little tiny, tiny school on the Upper East Side. Um, and to be totally honest, I didn't really care about the school. I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> I was a good student. I worked really hard at my grades um, and I wanted to get like a good business degree. But honestly, like I was just going to New York to get like the experience, the real world experience. Um, so I, I chose Marymount because it was beautiful and on the Upper East Side. And this was when Gossip Girl was like a huge... <laughs> part of everyone's life in high school. It's and still a part of my daughter's life. The Upper life. East Side was like so just like it, you know, the clothes and the stores and everything. The park was up there and it just sounded so like glamorous. Did so. you know anyone when Not you Not a there? soul. No. <gasps> so you just, I would say, you grew up in New Orleans and then you just decide you're going to go to New York. So had anybody in your family gone to New York? No. So no. this is like a huge... Yeah. Leap. Yeah. I was so excited though. I didn't, I didn't even like, I didn't even look back. You know, I was like, this is it. This so is you went like to school there for four years. I actually went to school there for two and a half years. Okay. <laughs> I, I interned and worked so much the first two and a half years. By my junior year, I was kind of burnt out and I was like, I just want to be a regular kid. Like I want to go to a regular university and go to football games and mm. be with, you know, a group of girls who are in sororities, you know, like the whole yeah, classic. So I sure. kind of got my cake and I got to eat it too because I did two and a half years in New York and then I transferred down to Texas. But oh, um, <laughs> not University of Texas, TCU. Oh, but yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> you, you went from New York to TCU. <laughs> well, I actually considered it because so many of my good friends went to University of Texas, but my, I think it was my sister who was like, you have been at like a very, very, very small liberal arts school and to transfer into like a 60,000 person undergrad imagine. like it's just a bad idea yeah. <laughs> so TCU had 8,000 undergrad and that was like a much smaller fit and I had a ton of friends who were already going there too so it kind of was like a great option as well and I loved it I had um I had been spending a lot of summers growing up in Fort Worth so uh I just it again felt really natural like a natural fit so <clears throat> so when you did uh interns in New York mm -hmm. where d where did you intern so I started off at Esquire magazine. Um, I was nice. a marketing intern and it was That's amazing. A big deal. Yeah, I, I was in Hearst, you know, which like if you care or know anything about publishing, like the two big ones oh, yeah. are well three, I guess. You've got um, Hearst Publishing, yeah. you've got Condé Nast, and you've got Timing. And Hearst was just like oh, it, you know. Um, and I was so excited just to be in the building. That's you know? a big deal. Like Nina Garcia, you know, would be like in the elevator with me and I would just be like, oh my gosh, you are like 
everything. Would you, you know? talk to her? Did you no. Talk to her? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, right. I was just like, what is she wearing? What are those shoes? Oh my gosh. Just like breathing the same air as her. I was always so excited. But I just like went in every day to this internship, like feeling so lucky. Like I had been chosen, you know, like you had been grateful. That's a big deal. And it was so fun. We, um, I, what was so really great about the, uh, intern public, uh, program at Hearst is they did these things called lunch and learns where all the interns, you know, there would be like one PR intern and one marketing intern and, you know, a few in the fashion closet, et cetera. And they would bring in a lot of the executives. So like, let's just say like okay, the senior that is publisher cool. yeah, of, at a Hearst publication. And you would over pizza, sit around a table with this guy that you would never, or this woman that you would never get in front of normally. And you'd get to ask them questions about how they got started and, um, like what they did on a day-to-day basis or what were some of the issues that they would run into or that's incredible. And I just remember like soaking all that knowledge up and being like, I'm so lucky to be here. This is the coolest thing ever. So, um, yeah, I, I loved that. I actually ended up moving from the marketing department over to the fashion closet. And mind you, like, I was not interested at all in men's fashion. Esquire magazine, if mm-hmm. you don't know, is like a men's mm-hmm. magazine. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was just grateful to be in Hearst. I didn't care that it wasn't like Cosmo or Marie Claire or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, when I decided, I, I loved the family at Esquire so much. They had been so good to us. So I decided to move over to the fashion closet um, at Esquire as my second internship and learn about what that was like, you know, like calling in samples for shoots and organizing it all and steaming it. A lot of what I do now, actually. (laughs) And um, just like bringing it, you know, going from like shoot to shoot. And a lot of times with Esquire, actually, um, even though it's a men's magazine, they would feature women, um, of course, because Mm -hmm. they're smart. Because it's smart. (laughs) So we'd have these beautiful like women who we'd pull clothes for. And that was really fun for me, too. And um, I, you know, we were just overlooking the, the Hudson and we're high up and I'm just like in New York and it's just, it was cool. I love it. What a dream come true. Yeah. I mean, you had to have loved that. I loved it. So how did you, so it was because you left because you wanted, you're like, okay, this has been amazing and I've checked some boxes, but now I got to go be a kid. Yes. Well, Somewhat. So from, from Esquire, I went to do an advertising PR internship at Giorgio Armani. Um, and then from there I worked with a celebrity stylist in New York, um, who was on his own. He wasn't like with a magazine or anything, but he had clients like Daniel Radcliffe and Isaac Mizrahi and stuff like that. So really getting to work one-on-one on on a smaller scale with him was really cool. So I really felt like I was like taking all these boxes, you know, I was like doing it all and I was seeing it all and I was kind of narrowing down what I thought I was interested in. Um, and you know, the, the semester I left, I actually got an internship at Vogue, which was like my goal at the end of this, but I t- ended up turning it down because I got into TCU and I was like, I've got to make a decision. Either I go to Vogue and I stay in New York for the remainder of my college career, or I go to t- Texas and I just like take a chill pill and I go to football games on Saturdays and I be a kid. Cause I've only got two more years of being, you know, a yeah. college student. Yeah. So I decided to go down to Texas. I gave up my internship wow. Wow. life, but I, at that point had felt pretty accomplished Mm -hmm. Um, when most of my friends were hanging on you know after classes I had been working really hard so I was like you know what I just I deserve this break you know like (laughs) patting myself on the shoulder and my parents this whole time were just like uh sure like you know they were so supportive like do whatever you want Mm -hmm. like they were kind of like why are you working so hard you Mm -hmm. know like 
all of my other siblings just went to college and had fun and <laughs> didn't necessarily Did have jobs. Yeah. So they were just like, ah. Um, so they were happy for me to get down to Texas. And as soon as I got down to Texas, I was just like, ah, oh, this is this is the life. So what did you study? What did you study at? I mean, obviously business, New York, but yes. what did you do? You ended up graduating with a business degree. So transferring over to TCU was such a cluster <laughs> with for credits because it was a liberal arts school. And then, you know, TCU was like trying to say my macro and microeconomics weren't the same and all this. And so um, I actually ended up graduating uh, with communications, marketing and a minor. And this is so random and energy like oil and gas because I was like I don't know I'm in Texas who knows we could pivot here and I could just like go go into oil and gas and really it was because the energy minor took a lot of my credits and I found at the time I was like hey I'm in Texas this is relevant like I might as well learn a lot so I can at least hold a conversation about oil and gas because my brothers worked you know I've I have two brothers that are engineers in oil and gas and they were always talking about all the stuff that literally had I had no clue what they were talking about. <laughs> like, what is shale? I don't know. But now I do, you know? So that was cool. I liked that. But of course, it's besides um, just like dinner conversation, I haven't used it at all. But <laughs> good for you, though. But yeah, like, so how cool that you had that mindset that, like, okay, I need something to fall back on. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> exactly. I was like, who knows? I'm in Texas now. Maybe this like lifelong love of fashion is going to transition into <laughs> a love of oil and gas. It didn't, thank God. But um, for a minute there, I was like, you know what? I'm here. Why not just like tack on a few extra classes and make it happen? So yeah, marketing communications and then energy. So you graduate, and then what did what did you do? Where'd so you go? Graduated. So my last semester of school, I um, interned at Neiman Marcus Direct, which is the um, the headquarters are in Dallas. So mm-hmm. I my last semester of college, I was commuting back and forth between Fort Worth and Dallas um, as a samples intern. So I was working oh. in the samples department, meaning that any item that they called in from a photo for a photo shoot to be shot for online or a magazine I was touching I was unpacking I was making sure it got to the right offices the buying offices um we were tracking it as soon as it would come back and we would send it back to the you know Oscar de la Renta or whoever mm-hmm. loved that because that is what I loved was touching the product, seeing it. I remember once we got Jessica Alba's dress literally the day after she wore it on the red carpet for like the Oscars and I kid you not I went and I put it on I was like I don't even care if I get fired I was like I'm putting this dress on and I like made my other intern like come with me in the back room and I was like don't tell anyone like let's get a picture of me wearing this dress and then I think I chickened out we never even got a a photo of me I like put half of it on top I was I didn't take off my regular clothes it was like in jeans and a t-shirt or something Uh and I just like threw it on top and then someone walked by and I was like okay wait (laughs) I'm gonna get fired so I took it off but um I I loved working in the samples department so when I graduated from TCU I applied for a job in the buying offices and um got accepted to be um and the jewelry buying offices, which I loved. Mm-hmm. So I was a merchandise coordinator, which is like the lowest of the low on the totem pole in the buying offices. Um, but I, again, was around the samples and I was learning and um, had no idea what they really did in a buying office. But I was, I didn't care. You were in. I was it in. I was like, I've got the discount now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Dallas. This is great. Like, I'm going to learn. This is going to be so cool. 
Um, and again, I was just around clothes and, and, and the fact I always thought it would be cool to work the business side of fashion. You know, Mm -hmm. like I said, I didn't want to design or do all that. So to be, um, in the buying offices kind of felt like it checked that box. It was the business side of fashion. So Mm -hmm. I was like, for sure. I I definitely didn't realize how, you know, number crunching it was like basically Mm -hmm. being in a buying offices, you're just, You're it just, is spreadsheets. Yeah, it's just spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet. Which you spreadsheet. don't have any comprehension or appreciation for until you get a glimpse of oh, yeah. retail. Because exactly. it is, it's intense. It's intense, mm-hmm. yeah. And it is It's not as sexy like, as, as, you know, you say Neiman's, you say buyer, mm-hmm. you say merchandising, and it all sounds sexy. And then you get in it, and it's... <laughs> scary yeah (laughs) oh my gosh if we were like you could really mess it up budget i mean if they over order under order it is always like a fire drill so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um luckily i was low on the totem pole enough to just avoid most of the fire drills (laughs) i was like the one who was you know not in the firing line it was the buyer and the assistant buyers who took the big hits but i still i was learning and i just loved it um so at this point you're 22 23 Yes. Yeah. This is in 2012. So, okay. um, yeah, it was probably 22 so or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and how did, how did, what happened next? Okay. Just keep so, going. <laughs> keep going. So what's funny is, um, I, I distinctly remember what happened was, um, we got in a set of these bracelets from Thai, Thai jewelry. I don't even know if the brand's still around, but they were these initial bracelets and each bracelet would have like a letter on it. So it'd be like, one bracelet it was like a friendship bracelet and it would have like um a b on it and i would i would wear the b and i would get you the t and we would each have like this like sparkly <laughs> like besties. yeah like a bestie bracelet type thing and and uh neiman's was getting them in to photograph them for the website uh i think it was like for holiday or something and i took them and i spelled out neiman marcus like n e uh, you know, yeah. and on each arm, and I took, I had the other girl in the office take a picture, my hands crossed, and I was like, take a picture of this, this is so cute, because at the time, Instagram was still pretty new, I mean, like, I had had, like, six Instagrams posted before, and I had no idea, really, what Instagram was, but I was like, I'm gonna put this on my Instagram, to be like, I work at Neiman Marcus, <laughs> but this is, like, a really fun, creative way to say that, you know, because it said Neiman Marcus and bracelets, and um, my buyer saw that, and she was like, that's cute, send that to the social media team. Like at Neiman's. And I was like, what? (laughs) Me? Okay. And I remember Neiman's posted it. And I've never felt more validated in my life. I was like so excited. I was like, they took a photo I just created and made. And they posted it for like thousands of people to see. And I was like constantly checking to see how many likes it got and comments. And I was reading all the comments. And it was like so exciting. And um, that kind of kickstarted my like obsession with creating content like mm. any sample that would come in I'd be like how can I how can I what make can this I do look with cool this? yeah mm-hmm. and my the buyer was okay with it because any attention that the jewelry office got was great you know publicity for the for the, for the sure. ha- on the handle she was like we're competing with like the shoes and the bags and the clothes and like anything that you create can create that looks cool for jewelry and it gets on the handle like that's cool for us so she was she was um, cool with me taking samples, and I would literally like go out into the parking lot, and I'd be like, "Oh, it just rained! Like the reflection on the roof of my car is really cool. Like, let me take this bracelet and like take this photo of it, and just and then I would just like run back inside and edit it with like the six filters that Instagram offered at the time, and, <laughs> and then I'd be like, 
social media team, do you want to use this? You know, <laughs> there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they'd be like, that's okay. But sometimes they would be like, yeah, this is great. And word kind of spread from there that like Bridget in the jewelry office could take photos. And if you brought her a product, she could make it look do cool. something creative with it. So other people from other buying offices would be like, hey, we just got these like Marquesa bags that are pretty in could you like make them look cool and send them to the social media team? And I was like, sure. Like I would love to. How fun that you created this little niche for yourself. It was totally by accident, but it was really, really fun. And um, I, I remember I was having to do it on like my lunch break or like, you know, cause I, I still had my regular right. job right. and my boss was cool, but like not, you know, super you cool with me do your not job. doing my job. <laughs> so um, I just remember being like, Hmm, I wonder if I should like, transition this somehow like how I love doing this part of the job I hate the excel spreadsheet part Mm -hmm. like what how could I like make this a job like my full-time job but at the time social media was like not a job really I mean of course there was like the the PR and marketing team at Neiman's who was doing it but it was like a one or two person team and anyway at Neiman's online where I was working it caught the attention what I was doing of Gerald Barnes and um, John Coral who were like the top of the top, like right under Karen Katz. Like mm-hmm. I can't remember. They were like the CEO and CFO and they asked me to have a meeting with them about social media. Oh my God. And I was like, me like what? There's social media teams at Neiman's. Like, why do you want me to come? Like, I don't know anything. I'm just like flying by the seat of my pants. But they were like, no, like you've got, like you have something like, and we want to know what you think about like where this is going. Like what should Neiman's be doing differently? And I remember just being so excited and so nervous to like present this deck to them that I was create that I created, but it basically was just a bunch of other companies, examples of other companies doing a really good job and how I thought Neiman's could be improving and how I thought like just some edit, like simple edits that we could be doing. And anyway, long story short, Bridget, that is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I mean, wow. it was just a wild like set of occurrences that, kind but of what a great, what a great, uh, how inspiring to like, Take risks. Like, mm-hmm. if you feel like you've been, you have a gift, and that, like, use it. Like, take risks. Like, you just yeah. took little bitty risks that added up to one big risk that, like, really turned into something. Like, it's yeah. awesome. And I was very scared. Don't like get me wrong. I was so <laughs> nervous. I like. I mean, like I said, I was That's the lowest of the is. low on the totem pole, and to have these guys like even know my name, I was just like sweats you know (laughs) like so nervous but I mean I did it and I remember I would come in on the weekend and work on this deck and share it and it was um I would share it with anyone that would listen my sister my friends like (laughs) how do you think this sounds like and they were all like I mean you have to think this was so long ago that social media was still so new like there weren't all the stats out there that there are now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so people were kind of just like I don't know don't you just like put up in a photo and that's it like What's what's there really to talk about? And I'm like, I don't know. I just think it could be better. I think we could be doing better. We could be making more strategic moves, yada, yada, yada. So one of the things I really loved that another brand was doing, it was Oscar de la Renta. Didn't have a, like a handle on Instagram that was Oscar de la Renta. It was Oscar PR girl. And it was this like pseudo-anonymous woman who was the PR director at Oscar. And she would kind of like have this behind the scenes look and take at what Oscar de la Renta was doing. And I thought it was really mysterious and super cool. And she was, she had amazing engagement and an amazing following and people really respected her in the industry. And I thought that that was such a cool idea that we could apply to Neiman's because so many people 
around the world and around, you know, even my friends were like, what is it like working in the buying office? Oh, for sure. You know, like you hear stories it's this gla- like this thing that we were mm-hmm. talking about. It's like sounds mm-hmm. so glamorous. And mm-hmm. I was like, John, we need to have like an anonymous, a pseudo anonymous, like Neiman's buying office girl like and it, it doesn't have to be me it could be me or we could pass it on from girl to like from person to person but just like if so and so from the you know apparel buying office is going to Paris for the shows like have her take the handle and like give us behind the scenes like I want to mm. see that mm-hmm. that sounds so cool and John was like done let's do this this is so cool love the idea so he was like you get started on this like I don't know how all that works but just create a handle and you know, name it, whatever, and start doing your, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. And I did not want to be, like, the face of this. I was like, let's have it be anonymous. Let's, um, like, if I ever leave Neiman's, I'll just hand it off to whoever yeah. comes up behind me. Yeah, because that way it's not about you. It's about the brand. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to be. Smart. I don't want it to be about me. Like, let's make it about the brand, and we'll, we'll edit things so that it sounds even more glam than it is, and we'll show, like, beautiful product and we'll take them to buying appointments and how exciting you know and um so I started this account and within a week I mean a thousand followers and this was I this wasn't with any sort of promotion or um you know publicity from the Neiman's handle that had already had a few hundred thousand followers at that point they weren't like promoting it I was doing all the you know the legwork on my own like when I got home I was creating content and searching hashtags and promoting myself in any way that I could think of. So within a week, I think it got to like a thousand followers. And pretty soon I remember I was so scared. I got a call from the head of the PR office at Neiman's and she yelled at me. (laughs) She was like, how dare you try and compete with our handles? Shut this down immediately. Who gave you the authority? <laughs> All this stuff, and, I, and I'm sitting here like, "Where's John? He told me I could." Like, I swear, like I'm not trying to compete. I, I really, I'm doing this for you guys. Like, I thought it was something fun that we were working on. Like, clearly, like the teams aren't talking to each other, mm-hmm. as in like the head of the company <laughs> and the PR team. I was just like the minion. And, and anyway, she was like on the phone with me right now. Otherwise, I'm getting lawyers involved. Change the name of the handle. <gasps> So I changed it to my name <laughs> and that's how I started my blog. Like seriously, truly, that's how it started. That's how it started. I like, I was so afraid. I just like changed it to a handle for me uh-huh. and I was like, okay, well I have this like a few thousand people following me and like, I don't want to give this up. I was having so much fun. Um, but I obviously couldn't do it for demons anymore. They had to get their stuff together. They right. were not communicating internally. Right. So, um, I started just taking photos and creating and is content that when you went to being Bridget? Did you is that the handle you created? No. Okay. So being Bridget came the name being Bridget came around later. Um, at the time, it was my style life because the name of the handle for Neiman's was my Neiman's life. I okay. think I think that's what it was called. Um, and anyway, on the phone when we were with the, this woman, she was yelling at me. I just quickly changed my Neiman's life to my style life because I was like panicked and I didn't have time to think and. So it was my style life for a while, and um, I ended up leaving Neiman's after that and because and, I really wanted to just, like, do social media, and I didn't know what that meant, but I, I, I knew that there had to be something better out there for me. And so how old are you at this point? How Same. long ago is this? It was all in 2012. Okay. Like, no, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. I guess I was at Neiman's for two and a half years. So, yeah, it must have been in, like, 2013, 2014. Okay. Um, so 
Um, I, I start slowly putting the feelers out there to my friends. Like, does anyone know if any jobs of social media? And I'm not talking like, I don't want to like run PR for a company or like do marketing necessarily. I want to like, I don't know. I just like want to work in Instagram and like <laughs> other social media platforms. Like where does this like unicorn of a job exist? And someone was like, there's this company called Reward Style and it was founded by two SMU grads. Like I have no idea what they do, but I think you might find it interesting. And I Google, I get on Google and I, I Google reward style and there's absolutely nothing that pops up. Like literally just the homepage for reward style, which you needed a login to get into. And I was like, well, I have nothing to lose. So I emailed their like HR person. I was like, I'd love to apply. Didn't know what I was applying for. Um, and I got an email back and they're like, great, come on in for an interview. Again, have no clue what I'm applying wow. for. And I get in there and I just remember walking into the offices and there was like this giant bar, like a big marble bar with like tons of like alcohol and it was beautiful and there's big white couches and I was like dang they've got a bar in the office this, is this, place, is, this place is cool it's like Kevin's office but shit we have a bar <laughs> so I was like oh. we'd offer you a drink if you weren't pregnant <laughs> yeah so I was just like oh this place feels young and just like full of energy and life and Everyone in the office that I like walk by the desks, they've got these big Mac screen computers and everything's white and beautiful. And I was like, okay, even if I, even if they don't like hire me for what I want to do, I'm, I want to work here just because it's like beautiful <laughs> and the people here look cool and you get to drink beer at lunch. And You're like, I'll be a janitor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I just so hang take out. out your trash. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I interview and I get the position. And again, I'm like still kind of confused on what I'm even being offered, but I get the job and I take it. I'm so excited because um, I know at this point it has to do with social media and that I'd be working with influencers. Um, at the time, we called them publishers because they're publishing content. Okay. Um, and uh, this is so fascinating. I had no idea this is how it all, <laughs> like, I had no idea yeah. that this is, like, you did reward style. Yeah. I had no idea. So, reward style at the time hadn't done any publicity because when you work at a tech company, it's really easy to knock off the technology before it's being been patented. Mm -hmm. So reward style was super private about what they did and the technology that they were creating because they hadn't secured their patents yet. Okay. A patent takes like anywhere from, I think a year to two or three years. And the company at this point, I think was like two or three years old. And, um, they had just kind of secured their patents right when I was getting hired and they were launching like to know it, mm -hmm. which like to know it is really what most people know of when they hear reward style, because it's the outward facing, you know, anyone in the world can use platform um, that monetizes Instagram. Okay, so so for somebody who has no idea what that means, yes. tell, tell us how that works. So Like to Know It was a way for people to shop Instagram. Okay. Um, it was a way for like a publisher to create an Instagram that someone who's following them could then shop on Instagram. And it works how? Like So you, you post something, you're wearing something fabulous, I want to buy it. I'm yes. like, I want to look exact. I'll never look exactly like <laughs> you in anything. <laughs> yes. But I want that. So, so then like to know it, you swipe or like, yeah. Is so, so reward style, I mean, it's a monetization platform. So they had different types of um, ways to monetize each individual platform. So it wasn't just Instagram. It was oh. just that like to know it really was the one that kind of took off and made reward style the most well-known outwardly. Mm -hmm. um, but even before that was around, 
publishers were in, uh, were monetizing their content on their websites, mm-hmm. on Twitter, on Pinterest, on YouTube, etc. Um, it was just that YouTube, or excuse me, um, like to know it was on Instagram, which is owned by Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's like a separate platform, and the the Instagram wants to keep you in Instagram, and mm-hmm. so it it was Reward Style's job to figure out how to get um, readers from Instagram into Purchasing. Purchasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was through Like to Know It. So back in the day, it was through emails. Um, you would like a photo, which is an ingrained kind of sure. habit that everyone was already doing. You'd like a photo. And if you were signed up to the uh, program, Like to Know It, you'd only have to sign up once. You would get an email from that influencer that had all of the product details in it. So it would have my sandals, my dress, my earrings, my necklace, everything in that email. Now it's kind of changed because Instagram keeps changing their rules and they still don't want their users to be leaving the app. It mm-hmm. makes sense from mm-hmm. them, of course. Sure. Um, so now we have the Like to Know It app, which, I mean, I don't know if this is that interesting for people, but... It's you... interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> but now there's the Like to Know It app. So me you too. can you can follow uh, influencers in, these, in the app and that's a lot easier. Um, you can also screenshot the image. So if I'm scrolling through Instagram, rather than liking the photo, you would have to screenshot it, and then you get the email. That screenshot technology is something that RewardStyle created. I have never heard of that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. But if you don't want your phone to be filled with screenshots, then oh. I just recommend downloading the app. It's super easy. You follow the person just like you would follow them on Instagram. So you go to Like to Know It app, and I look up you. Yes. And then I can see all of your things. Yep. And then when I purchase it... Mm-hmm. Everybody gets a cut. Yes. Everybody gets a piece of yes. that. Yes. So Does Instagram get, um, are they, are, do no. they get any of it? Okay. So Just well, the retailer, get- the retailer reward style and the publisher. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So, and that's the same way on, on my website. So if you click on a link, um, the, the, the technology that reward style created and what was so cool about working there was they created this technology that would track a user's behavior for an average of 30 days. So if you were to click on my Mm -hmm. website and, um, you know, like my dress or whatever, or, you know, click on it, the link at the bottom of the post, and it would take you to Nordstrom and maybe that dress would be sold out or it's not available in your size or it's too expensive. You could X out, shut down your computer and, um, not think about it for, 30 days. Mm -hmm. But if you go back to Nordstrom or whatever retailer within that 30 day window and purchase anything, the publisher will make a cut off your total checkout price. Oh, wow. Yeah. So at any given time, these big influencers are putting out thousands of links a month and those are getting hundreds of thousands of clicks, tens of thousands of clicks maybe, or anywhere from 10 to hundreds of thousands of clicks. So that's a lot of data coming in at any given time. And my job at RewardStyle was to break down this data and help these publishers make better business decisions. Mm-hmm. Because a lot based of them, on, based, based on, on the data, yeah. of course. So like um, a lot of these these influencers or bloggers would start a blog because they love fashion and they just want to talk about it. And then we'd, we'd come there, we'd come in and be like, look, you can make money from this. And they'd be like, what? Okay, how? Same thing, same conversation as everyone else. And I'd be like, okay. This is what you're going to do. You're going to link to all your favorite retailers, all your clothes, whatever. And then like after a month, we're going to take that data and we're going to see what's working and what's not working. And then over six months, we'll see what's working and not working. And, you know, um, because they're not necessarily a business background, that would really help them kind of understand um, their data and how to how to make, you know, better decisions based on 
you know, their linking Mm -hmm. or what was working and what was not working. So I loved it because I was, I was working with all these people I love to follow, like big names. I wasn't just working with, um, like regular publishers. I was working with large traditional publishers. So I was back and working with Vogue and Vanity Fair and all the Condé Nast and Time Inc. And I was getting to travel to New York and back in Hearst. And it was cool because I was kind of like coming Your full circle. Your worlds were, were colliding. Yeah, I was. I mean, because in the same way that a blogger is putting up content online and monetizing it, a magazine's doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. If Vogue is creating content for their website, or excuse me, their magazine, and not putting it on their website, they're they're missing a yeah. huge opportunity. Yeah. So, th- so what we try to tell them is like, if you're creating top 10, you know, swimsuits for spring for your magazine, take that same article, put it online and let me show you how to link it. Mm. Because those same people that used to be reading your Brilliant. website or your magazine are now reading it online mm-hmm. and you still want and to make ordering. Money. And you'd be surprised. None of these magazines were monetizing their content. Like, and they had giant audiences oh. and I was just like, let me show what an I'm going to like blow your mind with how much money you could be making. And that was so fun. They, I mean, the Dang. editors were like blown away, obviously. And it opened up a whole new market for them. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. Because catalogs, you can't kind of die. The, yeah. Nothing, you, nothing can happen from the catalog. Exactly. And, and a lot of these magazines were trying to earn their money through advertisements. And if you're, a user on a, on Vogue.com and you're like constantly being bombarded by these like giant annoying ads, you're not going to go to Vogue.com right. anymore. So I just tried to like right. help them see that there were other ways to make money that they didn't mm. necessarily see before. And um, that was really fun. That is I incredible. That. So how did you break away and do and become? So I had kept my Instagram going, the My mm-hmm. Style Life, mm-hmm. um, kind of slowly, but Every now and then I would still be, you know, I'd be buying just as a Mm -hmm. regular um, consumer and posting things that I thought were interesting or if I would travel. And um, when I got to reward style and saw how much these influencers were making (laughs) and how many of them were taking my advice, but not to not 100 percent taking my advice, you know, Mm -hmm. they would they would implement here and there things that I would tell them to do, but not 100 percent. I was like, you know what? If I took my advice, <laughs> I could do this and I kill could, it. Yeah. Or, or just like I was already doing it. I just wasn't mm-hmm. implementing like the, the monetization kind of like tools. Mm-hmm. So I, I decided I was just going to start doing that. And honestly, at the time, too, we were testing so many different tools at Reward Style. I was kind of the guinea pig in the office. People were like, hey, Bridget, can you post this like to know it and see if like our our system's working? Or can you use this on your this link on your blog and see if you get X amount of clicks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm-hmm. sure, why not? And I, I kid you not, I remember the first day I made a commission and I was like, who, who did it? Who bought off my link? <laughs> who did it? And it was like, everyone was like, I didn't buy. No, it was not my mom. It wasn't my sister. None of my friends. It was like a stranger. And I was like, again, that validation. I was like, mm-hmm. I could do this. This would be so fun. And, um, and so I just kind of like I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. I just let it grow slowly and while I you were still working. Yes. At well, style. I didn't want to leave reward style. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much and to this day some of the girls that I worked with there are some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Like I've been in bridesmaids and their weddings and they're just such wonderful people and Amber and Baxter started the company are so cool and um Anyway, I didn't really want to leave Reward Style, but at at a certain point, I think I was two and a half years in to working at Reward Style, I was making a significant amount more 
on my blog than I was working, making at rewards. That is unbelievable. And I was like, I'm getting married this year and I only get two weeks of vacation. Um, I think I'm just going to try and take this full time. So that way I don't have to like beg for more time off for my honeymoon. Yes. smart. (laughs) So I know that sounds crazy, but I was kind of like, it's either now or never. Let's just Mm -hmm. do this. I'm going to like, see if I can do it. And if not, I just like would beg for my job back essentially. And I had a great relationship with everyone at Reward Style and they were so supportive of the blog and everything. So they were like, you know what, if it doesn't work out, just come back. And I was like, okay. That is awesome. So it's so great that you had that relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they, they knew how much I loved working there, but it was just one of those things where it was like, all right, let's see if I can do this. And so I took it full time in 2016 and I've been full time ever since. And so do you have a goal? Like, do you have, do you have like a way you do, is it, are you very methodical and thoughtful and intentional about the way that you do it? Or does it just come natural and you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants? Honestly, if I was a better blogger, I would be super methodical and planned out. I think, um, I, I look at, other I don't think there's a bad way. I don't think there's a bad way because I think it's just the way your brain works. Like yeah. how I live my life mm-hmm. is by the seat of my pants. Yeah. Like I, I don't have a ton of method behind my madness, but it all seems to work. Like yeah. even you coming in here, what are we going to talk about? I know. Like, <laughs> can you give me, a, and everybody always asks that. And I'm like, no, just come in. We're going to yeah. have a conversation. Like, but when you're in your sweet spot, mm-hmm. I feel like you don't have to be so like the more, the more insecure or the less I feel like I know, or mm-hmm. the, the less prepared or afraid I feel, the more I prepare. Right. And, and I think that the more natural and gifted yeah. you feel about something, the less you feel like you totally. have to really plan for it. I mean, obviously you're just, it's something that comes very natural for you. I mean, I look at what you do and the stories on Instagram and the picture, like it is that like you are in your zone, like because so <laughs> so sweet because I feel like such a nerd ninety percent of the time. Oh, but you're not. <laughs> and, but you know what? Even even when you do do like you're you can be quirky and mm-hmm. adorable, but I I think that's what people find endearing is it's not so perfect and calculated yeah. and. And you talk about things that everybody, everybody wants to know about. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember w- one time you doing your whole facial routine in the morning. I was like <laughs> pausing, <laughs> like writing notes, oh pausing. Right? But I know I'm not the only one, you know, yeah. like who's like looking at this and thinking, okay, how, okay, that's something I need to know more about. And, you know, maybe you'll do a piece or a, or a post or highlight something that I, I'm not interested mm-hmm. and, and but it's going to be very interesting to somebody else. Like you're very, I mean, you talk about your dogs, you talk Mm -hmm. about your family, you talk about your, you talk about your, I mean, clearly fashion, but I mean, skincare and Mm -hmm. nails and flowers. And I mean, it's everything. Yeah. Every furniture being delivered. (laughs) (laughs) How to get dog accidents out of my carpets. I watched that one too. (laughs) Yeah. No, now that you say it, I Mm -hmm. guess I'm just totally a fly by the seat of your pants. I saw so much when working at Rewards Down. I think that really gave me the confidence to. um, Well, you had a head start, you had an inside. You, I mean, you, your learning curve was 
at work. Yeah. Which yeah, is when amazing. I wasn't even trying. Yes. And um, I, I just saw all the different types of publishers and how you know, how careful you have to be about the bed that you make, because then you have to lie in it. And if, Mm. and it's so easy to get trapped Mm. into this world of like oversharing or, or maybe um, where all you do is live with your camera in your face or sharing or whatever. And I, I just knew that um, I had to stay true to like what felt comfortable for me and Mm. not try and keep up with the Joneses or not try to compare myself to other or become something that wasn't natural to you. Exactly. I think that's what makes you successful. I think the most successful people out there are the ones that that have stayed true to themselves. Well, and you'd be surprised how hard it is. And, And like I would have the biggest accounts, like the biggest influencers be worried that if they turned down you know, a collaboration offer from a big brand that it would never come back. Mm. And I'd be like, no, it's just not a right time for you. Mm. Say no right now, because if you say yes right now and it doesn't feel right, it's going to show. Yeah. And, and yeah. you can't and be afraid. change the trajectory of exactly. where, but you, where you want to be. But you can't be afraid that that brand's never going to come back mm. because A, if it doesn't, it wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. And if it does, then maybe at that time when they come back, it'll feel right. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. Like, you know, I've had brands reach out to me and I'm like, you know what? Not right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe never. Mm -hmm. And they'll come back maybe six months to a year later or even longer or maybe even sooner. And I'll be like, you know what? It it feels right now. Mm -hmm. Like I can apply this to my life Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the hardest thing that publishers or influencers or anyone creating content can do is, is, is make those decisions and not be afraid Mm -hmm. that they're not making the wrong decision. You just have to have confidence in yourself Mm -hmm. and know that in the long run, you're going to do yourself such a favor Mm -hmm. by staying true to what is right for Mm -hmm. you. It's you know, really good. It's so easy to sell out. Mm-hmm. And sellout has such a like nasty connotation and and it is and it is, you know, not a good thing, I'd say, but some people do it on accident. They mm-hmm. take on a collab that they're not sure how they'll they'll incorporate it into their content. And I say if there's like even a little bit of like question there, mm-hmm. don't take it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a lot of money, even if it's a huge retailer, even if it's a retailer you really admire, don't take it on until mm-hmm. you're ready mm-hmm. because you'll just end up hurting your following. And you'll end up hurting like the loyalty that your fans or your readers or whatever have in and your in your voice. And conf- you know? yeah, the confidence that they have put in who mm-hmm. who they thought you were. Yeah. I always tell people too, it's not the size of your army, it's the strength. Mm. So a, an really old good. way of thinking of influencers and their kind of like power is how many followers do they have. I mean, to this day, my dad's like How's, you know, how's the blog going? How many followers do you have? And I'm like, dad, it's not about followers. It's not about how many followers you have. It's such an old school way of thinking about things, yeah. dad. <laughs> and because um, really another thing I learned at Reward Style, some of our most like influential publishers were ones who you would never expect. Mm. They had no following. They lived in the suburbs in Kansas, you know, and they would take mirror selfies and they would just be like regular old moms or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there would be like the the Insta influencers that are like celebrities and they would be making zero money, you know, but so interesting. And, and brands, I always you know, sometimes when brands reach out to me and they're like you're worth X because of your following. I'm like, look, it's not about the size. Mm -hmm. It's about the strength. Mm -hmm. And my readers are super loyal and I've built them to be loyal because I don't, you know, I like what I just said. I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm very, very careful and I'm very picky. 
And if that, if you don't want to trust me on that, then that's okay. Like mm -hmm. we don't have to work together. There's mm -hmm. no skin off my back. Mm -hmm. Like water under the bridge. Let's keep moving. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's so a learning curve that a lot mm -hmm. of brands have had to realize that like they have to look past the numbers and they need to look for like ROI and um, things like that. So it's really good. Okay. Yeah. So how do you, how do you take on criticism? Cause I'm sure you get it. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I always joke. Thank God. God gave me four brothers because <laughs> I have a thick skin. I don't know. I just, I'm so happy in my life with my family and I feel so blessed. And, um, I just, whenever someone says something nasty to me, I'm like, you know what, this person's probably hurting or in a rough place in their own life. And, they're taking it out on me, which is okay. I'm a public figure to an extent, and um, I just don't let it get under my skin. I don't know that person. They clearly don't know me, mm -hmm. and I just let it go. I don't, like, go to sleep stressing about it. There are too many other things in the world that matter, you know? I'm like, if this person thinks that I'm being whatever, you know, that's okay. Mm -hmm. I can only say something you know, when, when they say something like that to me, I always try to say something positive back. Like, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Um, you know, have a please, great day. Yeah. Have a great day. <laughs> please feel free to unfollow me. You know, like I'm not, this is a free world. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to follow me if that's, if I'm doing something that offends you or whatever. Um, but I love that. I love that because you know what, regardless of Regardless of your job and regardless of your effort and regardless mm -hmm. of your heart, mm -hmm. like we, we are going to be criticized, mm -hmm. you know, whether totally. on, on every level for every, everything, whether it's somebody looks at you and thinks you're not doing a good job as a mom or in your career mm -hmm. or you're too much or you're too little or whatever it is, you yeah. know, there's always going to be somebody from the outside. I mean, when I worked at the church, Bridget, <laughs> I oh mean, gosh. every Sunday I'm standing up on a stage with thousands of people, you know, looking at me, mm -hmm. I'm telling you every single Monday there were emails and these people criticized me like it was their job. Oh like, my gosh. and, and some of it was good you know like so like oh I loved your shoes where did you get a, oh I love you know you always look so blah 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 mm -hmm. but then others were like you're a pa pastor you care too much about how you dress and you um and I was like who are how do you know how much I care about yeah what I you know mm -hmm. and and I, I had to do the same I mean I remember just when I worked when I first started standing on a stage mm -hmm. in life mm -hmm. and people criticizing mm -hmm. me. I had never been criticized it's before. Hard. And you really have to learn how to be criticized mm -hmm. because people are always going to have an opinion. I mean, yeah. um, if I gave a sermon, some people were like, I was about to commit suicide and now I'm not going to because of your amazing sermon. Right. Another person would email, that's the worst thing I've yes. ever listened to. When is Paul coming back? You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> and everything in between. Exactly. And, and I so agree with you that you 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 got to hang your hat where it matters, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I will listen and I will accept criticism mm -hmm. from people that I respect and love mm -hmm. And ask. <laughs> well, my sister, I mean, thank God for my sister. She's always such a great sounding board. She said one time when I was like, at one point someone had said something and I was, I took it and I was like, do you think that they're right? You know, mm -hmm. like they said something to me and I can't even remember what it was, but I was like, do you think that they have a point? 
should I like consider this as like constructive criticism? And she goes, Bridget, there are people in the world like Mother Teresa or Gandhi who have critici- mm-hmm. criticism mm-hmm. given at, thrown at them all the time. Mm-hmm. And think about how amazing those people were. Mm-hmm. You know, like look at you, Jesus. Yeah, look <laughs> exactly. Look at Jesus. So she's like, you just have to take it with a grain of salt and just know that you can't please everyone no. because even the best people in the world, the most mm-hmm. wonderful, selfless, giving people in the world, have people out there who hate them yes you know who despise them who wish them dead you know like and you're just you're just a a fashion lifestyle blogger who's Mm -hmm. just sharing her views on the world and and that's okay Mm -hmm. like don't don't lose sleep over this you know and Mm -hmm. I was like anytime I like start to get like if something someone says like upsets me or like I just think about that I'm like you know what if Mother Teresa had haters <laughs> and she got through it, yes. you know, then like I'm doing okay. Yes. I can get through this. So. Yes. Well, you, I, you should be so proud <laughs> of what you've created. I love following you and I don't, I follow like three or four um, <laughs> fashion bloggers, but I, I mean, I love what you wear. I love your style. So I love the way that I, I love what you stand for. I love mm-hmm. your value system. I love that your family means I mean, obviously means so much to you. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're doing all the good things. And so keep it up, girl. Thank you. Keep you're so on sweet. Keeping thanks. on. And thanks for having me today. Oh, yes. And tell your sweet husband, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for being so awesome too. I love him. <laughs> and that baby in your belly is about uh, the luckiest little guy on the planet. We're so excited. So, wishing you all the best, Fridge. Thanks, Toba. Oh, wait, real quick. Don't do music yet. If people want to follow you, how do they find you? <laughs> oh my gosh. You just scared me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, on Instagram, I'm being underscore Bridget and my blog is beingbridget.com. Okay, go. Go sign up today. You'll love it. Music now? Yes, okay. music now. Go, Kev. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Remedy with Tovacito. To get more information, sponsor an episode, or contribute to this program, visit us online at tovacito.com slash podcast or find us on social media.